You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. So, welcome to the exchange. Lovely to meet everyone. Hi, guys. Really, really amazing to be here this evening. Hi. <laughs> hi. Hi, hi, hi. How are you? Awesome worship. Thank you, Dimladi. Okay, so without further ado, I'm going to dive into today's conversation, as we like to call it. And I mean, lovely prayers by Shola. He's basically set the scene for most of what we'll be discussing today. But I'd really like it to be interactive. I'd um, like you to jump in and ask questions. I'm going to be asking you some questions. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set the scene very briefly, and then we'll take it from there. We'll have a conversation. Um, I'm going to be speaking about how to behave like a Christian in a relationship. And, you know, the whole month we've been talking about love and relationships. And today we just want to dive into what, you know, the Christian characteristics are like when we are in a relationship. What does the Bible expect from us? How are we supposed to treat each other? So to frame that conversation, I'd like to read two scriptures. Um, and I'd like to start with Genesis chapter 1, verse 21, in the NKJV version. If we can have that on screen. And then after we read that, I'd like us to read Romans chapter 12. I'll focus on verses 9 to 13. And verse 21. Okay, so Genesis is there, so we can read it together. It's a short one. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters are bounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 22, please. Next verse. Great. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. Okay. And then we'll move to Romans chapter 12. We'll start from verse 9. And just to frame that, you know, we've just seen God creating man in his image. And we move to Romans chapter 12, and it says... This is a bit of a long one, so if you want to read with me, it's fine. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality. And then verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so in Romans, you know, Apostle Paul is basically talking about the sort of behavior that he expects from Christians when they are relating with one another. And we're going to be focusing, doing a bit of a deep dive into that. Um, 
and will focus on marriage and relationships. But of course, these attributes surpass that, you know. This is how we're expected to relate to our neighbors, our colleagues at work, and all that. Um, I sort of summarized that into five main points. And the first is loving without hypocrisy. The second is diligence to do the work. The third is kindness. You know, he asked that we show kindness to each other. The fourth is generosity, ongoing generosity. And finally, he mentioned speaking the truth in love. Um, you know, we've looked at a few statistics and there's been a, an increase in the breakdown of marriages and relationships. And that spike has been attributed to, you know, the lockdown from COVID-19, people having to spend more time with one another and really bringing out, you know, who you really are. And, you know, unfortunately that's actually increased divorce numbers. Um, our position is that there are two fundamental truths that will really help a relationship. And if both parties can keep this in mind, the first is one, realizing that we are all children of God. And the second is this, realizing that the person you're in a relationship is also, the person you're in a relationship with is also a child of God and you are actually in a relationship, what is it, while you're in that relationship, what is expected of you is to steward that son or daughter of God. So there's a responsibility of you to love them the way God loves them. And there's a resp responsibility on the other person to love you the way Christ loves them. And if we can put that at the forefront of our minds, when you're dealing with someone else, right, I honestly believe that we will see a reduction in the breakdown of relationships. So I'm gonna start with a question for everybody. Um, and the first is this. So when, I, when the Bible talks about loving without hypocrisy, speaking the truth in love, what does that mean for you in a practical way? Is there anyone that would like to share what, you know, that, that would suggest for them? How do you love without hypocrisy? How do you speak the truth in love? So earlier on, we had a conversation with a couple and they shared how, you know, they both have different personalities. And when they were dating, it was okay to sort of overlook some things. But when you're married and you're dealing with it every single day, then, you know, you sort of don't want to endure it anymore. You sort of, you know, you feel the need to address it. But when you want to address it, because you're a child of God, you don't want to address it in a way that will hurt the other person. And then comes the speaking the truth in love, you know, finding a way to bring out these issues without hurting the other person. There's a scripture I like very much in the Bible that talks about um, asking us that our words should be seasoned with salt. So whatever you want to say, there's a sweeter way of saying it. You know, that's sort of the charge. Um, and I'd really like to hear from anyone that has any experiences around that or any thoughts around that. Not yet? You want me to go on? Yeah? Okay, I'll carry on. Okay, someone has a question, I think. Uh, no, no, no question. Okay, great. So, so that's it. So Apostle Paul was speaking about how, you know, 
when, when we speak the truth in love, it's about addressing an issue that needs to be addressed or being conscious of the fact that you are talking to a child of God, are being conscious of the power your words carry and the damage that they can cause and being really careful on how that is delivered. I also want to focus today on kindness. It's interesting because someone said to me that some people's personality um, does not just really allow them to show kindness. And I said, no, please. That, there's no, uh, there, when you look at the definition of extrovert or introvert or choleric or whatever, there's no unkind, right? Kindness is, <laughs> is not something that's related to your personality, right? And as children of God, is an attribute that we have because we carry God, we carry love. We are able to show kindness if we are intentional about it. And the difference it makes in a relationship is unbelievable. I'll refer again to a conversation we had with a couple earlier um, this morning and how they, they explain how they show kindness to each other. So in their relationship, they are both of different personalities. So one is more extroverted and the other is more introverted. Interestingly, that's similar to my marriage. So I'm the more extroverted one and my husband is more introverted. But it doesn't mean that, you know, naturally I'm extroverted, so I'm the wicked one. No, it doesn't really work like that. Um, his way, the way I show kindness to him a lot of times is simply understanding his predispositions, understanding when he needs his time, you know, not getting agitated because he wants to sort of withdraw and have some alone time. And he, interestingly, more, more recently, shows kindness to me by talking to me when I want to talk, whether he's in the mood or not. You know, that's the way he shows kindness to me. Sort of just, you know, he may be a little tired, but he knows that I really want to engage at this point. And he will lay down whatever he's doing and engage with me. When I also think about a lot of our dating years, the things that stand out to me, I mean, we've been married for almost eight years now. And the things that stand out are, you know, the, the little things he did then that he really didn't have to do, you know. So just helping me out when he didn't really need to. Um, and this morning as well, the couple we spoke to spoke about um, how the gentleman, even before they were dating, they were you know, just friends. They had not even started officially dating. And he would take time out to have lunch meetings with her to discuss the strategy around growing her new business. And you know, that for her was just an act of kindness that really blew her mind. Uh, I think it's really important in the way we relate in our love relationships that kindness should be something that's a common occurrence. It shouldn't be once in a while. It's our language. It's the way we should relate, right? It really shouldn't be something that's a one-off or every birthday you show kindness. No, no, no. That's not where, what we should be about. And I'm going to ask again if anyone has any questions. Because I can't talk. As I said, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> but that's not kind of the way I want this to go. I really want to hear the thoughts in the room. So I'm going to throw it out away. If you don't have a question, at least, is there something I've said that you want me to deep dive into or clarify? Is there a scripture I've read that you didn't really understand or agree with? You just want a bit of clarity. Demilade? Huh? <laughs> 
you're in the spirit. <laughs> okay, right. I was saying your husband would probably be the better person to ask about this because I can really identify with his wanting time away. I guess the question I want to ask is, how, how would you like that conversation to be framed for you? Like, um, as I've lived by myself for so long, so I don't have to ask anybody's permission to be like, yo, I'm about to, I can go and lock myself. I live with my brother. I can lock myself up in my room and, you know, if he wants to miss me, he will knock on my door for my permission to come and say, you know, but when you now live with somebody who you are married to, how, I'm not lying. See. How do you f frame those conversations? And I'm asking this as somebody who's very predisposed to wanting that. I remember I was in a relationship where I was dating somebody, and I explained that I needed a few days. And this was not even a bad thing. I said, I want to go and pray. She said, what kind of prayer do you want to pray? Uh, um, that we're supposed to be talking all the time. I'm just like, yeah, like I'll talk to you later, but prayer, like Nigeria, Jordan, things are going wrong. <laughs> And she's like, what kind of prayer do you okay. want to pray? And she got really upset about this. Mm. She was like, how else, like, if I can't tell you, I want to talk to Jesus. Like, <laughs> to so anyway, I'm asking, how do I frame those types of conversations in a way that doesn't cause attrition? Or... How do you season it with salt? Yes. Okay. How do I tell you I want to pray with salt? <laughs> no, fantastic question. And very relevant. So for me, I think it's a two-way street, right? And... Understand that if somebody wants to talk at that point, any way you shut them down is going to be um, painful. It's going to hurt, depending on how important what they feel they want to say is. So, for instance, I would say, okay, what you want to say, is it really urgent? Or do you mind if I come back to you in an hour? And then you have me completely to yourself. And if she says, I really need to say it now, then love should compel you. I know Jesus will not be angry. So just wait for 10 minutes and start the conversation. You know, that's the love. That's the sacrificial part of love that she can come in and sort of throw away your rigid timetable. You know, um, the ultimate goal of our relationships is building resilience. And resilience speaks to strength and flexibility. So if we go in with a mindset of rigidity, it's really difficult to grow. But if you're going with the mindset of love, growing in strength and growing in flexibility, which is inevitable if you're living with somebody that's not exactly you, um, then there's a growth, you know. There's a little give and take on both sides. She too needs to come to the realization, like I had to with my husband, that he's not putting me down. He really just needs his time alone. It's not about me. Even if he was his mother right now, he doesn't want to talk to anybody. He just needs that time. And when I really understood that, it was easy for me to take the, um, can I, give me a second, I'll be back with you. When before, I just simply took it as a, you know, just a closed door. But it's easier for me to accept it because I know that's who he is. It's probably easier for Daniel to live with you because he understands you. It's not going to take it personal. <laughs> he knows that. <laughs> he has no choice. But, you know, exactly. So it's that understanding, I think, um, from both parties. She would have to be a little bit... Uh, ready to be flexible and you also would need to be ready to 
not be as rigid. If you're praying at 8 a.m. every Saturday before, maybe 8.15 will not be a bad idea if you feel that in Saturday mornings she actually likes to wake up and chat. It's those sort of things, you know. And there's a difference between resilience and endurance. So endurance is you are just enduring it. He's rigid. And you know what? That can bring longevity, but that's not the goal. You know, we want rich, sweet relationships. I can endure it. He says, I don't want to talk to you now, no problem. I'll go in my room, I'll cry a bit, I'll get over it. He will talk to me later. But that's enduring. There's no growth. There's no flexibility. Resilience is where both parties, you know, engage in the issues, speak the truth in love. Demlade, I really would prefer it if you would talk to me when I want to talk to you. Quite frankly, I find it a bit strange that you want to be by yourself every Saturday morning, you know? So that kind of thing. Then you say, no, but it's not strange. It's my personality. You know, you have a conversation back and forth. You come to a middle ground. Growth has happened, you know, and you guys are more resilient for it. So that's how I would frame it. Okay. Question. See, what, what happens is once one person asks a question, it triggers like a domino. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm new here, so Hi. I just came. I'm confused. <laughs> so I want to know if is it a marriage class or a relationship class? Fantastic question. Yeah. Okay. I just want to know because I'm confused. Okay. No. Clarity. Good question, actually. So it's the evening service. Um, we call it the exchange. This month of September, we've been talking about love, the love of God and the love between ourselves. Okay. Today's session, we're doing a deep dive into how Christians are expected to relate with each other in a relationship. So if you hear us talking about marriage and relationships, that's the theme for the month and for today in particular. I hope that clarifies. Yeah? Okay. Thank you. I think. Great. Oh, I'll be Christian. Very okay. Soon. Yeah. Thank you. Great. The other thing I wanted to talk about today, um, and this came strongly to me while I was praying for the service, it was in relation to um, a lot of what we read about in Romans is how, you know, the Bible expects us to relate to each other when we're in a relationship. But there's also times when, and this happens in many people's lives, when a relationship, maybe it's not working and it needs to end. And then we need to have a conversation around how to end it. Now, I'm sure we've all heard stories or had personal experiences of heartbreak, you know, being ghosted, or ghosting somebody, you know. Um, I've heard people being broken up with on, online. They read it first on social media that they no longer have a boyfriend. You know, really painful things. Um, it's funny now, but usually when it's happening, it's not very funny, <laughs> you know. I gave a personal example. Yes, it has happened to me, but I'm a living testimony because I'm healed from it. I gave a personal testimony of how I was in what I believed to be a very strong relationship. What, key points, what I believed. <laughs> and we were very happy, as far from my point of view. 
But then, you know, so we're not in the same city. We were in different cities. And at, after a while, first of all, the visit stopped. He stopped coming to see me. And I'll try and call him to go and see him. I won't be able to reach him. First one week, then two weeks, then three weeks. Then he would call and just apologize and say, well, he had just been busy and I'll be fine. We'll have a conversation and that's it. I won't be able to reach him again for another three weeks. Then he will call again, apologize, and I'll say, okay, because, you know, my heart is soft. I love God. I love man, you know. And I'll be like, okay, no problem. He's just work. He's just busy. No problem. And I remember very clearly that then, you know, people would ask me, oh, do you have a boyfriend? Yes. <laughs> What's his name? I'll say his name. Are you, we are very happy in our relationship. Anyhow, so this went on, believe it or not, for months, you know. And yes, now I feel a little bit embarrassed, so you don't have to stress it, you know. <laughs> but anyway, my Rema moment came actually in a service where a pastor was preaching, and she said, um, some people are in a relationship with people that are not in relationships with them. And yeah, wow, it was a wow moment for me. It just hit me, you know. I felt like the Samaritan woman when she met Jesus and she said she's married and he said, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so that was my moment. And I thought, wow, okay, that's deep, you know. And, you know, my healing began actually. So it ended well because from that point, I, the next opportunity I had to speak to him, I broke up with him and, and that was it. But, you know, I often look back and I think, you know, that cannot be the way God expects us to deal with each other because the time it took me to recover from that and be able to open myself again to receive love, I know that that's not God's will for any of his children. So that sort of, uh, you know, and when I was praying, I, God opened my eyes to certain scriptures because someone I was talking to said, can there be a godly way to end a relationship? And then... The examples that came to mind were uh, a gentleman, you might know him. His name is Joseph in the New Testament. He was dating a young lady. They were very excited, actually. And then he proposed. She said yes. They were very happy. They told everybody, sent out invites, you know, tweeted it, put it on social media, you know, did pre-wedding pictures, bought wedding gown everything. They had hashtag Joe meets Mary. You know, all that had happened. And then breaking news, Mary is pregnant, but not for Joseph. Dun, dun, dun. And, <laughs> you know, shocking, really shocking. And Joseph was clearly very embarrassed. How was he going to start on tweeting everything he had tweeted? Where will he start to ask people to send back invites, pause, postpone? You know, how was he really going to go about it? But then the Bible says something very interesting. And it's in um, Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. And the Bible says, Then Joseph, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So he looked at everything on ground, and he decided that, you know what? She has done me wrong, but there's no point in embarrassing her. I'm a good man. I'm a Christian. 
just call her. I'll just tell her, look, it's not going to happen. We're not going to go ahead. Go and live your life. Have your child. Let me live my life. I'll find love another time. But no shame. And you know what? During those times, if he had decided to embarrass her, no, it's stoning. Public stoning is what would have been her portion. But he decided not to do that. And that, for, for me, is very instructive, that there's always a way seasoned with salt that you can end the relationship, even when, you know, I mean, for many people, that's not even, you're not even, what happened to Joseph has not even happened to you. But, you know, even me, and even the person that ghosted me, I did not do anything like that. But, you know, there's always a better way to do it. There's always a way of love that we can do it. You have a question. Fantastic. Okay. So I wanted to ask this, and I, I was going to ask if you could please sort of give us a template for a godly way to do it. Like, and not in like New Testament, like Old Testament English. Like, I'm going to say this because um, as somebody who's been in relationships that haven't necessarily worked, and obviously I wasn't dating an unbeliever. I was talking to somebody who I felt was a mature Christian or knew God very well. But I found that in trying to end the relationship, the standard mantra was always the things we hear like on in TV shows like, oh, it's not you, it's me. Um, you're an amazing guy. You know, I just feel like the moment right now, we're not in sync, you know, we're not in synchrony. Um, what I'm looking for is a friend, not, and as far as I'm concerned, all of those lyrics. <laughs> And so this the point I'm trying to make is that there's a way that you can that people make it sound holy. Mm. Everyone has someone sort of break up with me with prayer, like so. <laughs> Father, I just want to thank you for your son. Those types of things. So I'm saying that they've been in just in his, in a way to try to make it seem like it's a godly. And I don't think I think we think about it in terms of that final or when you want to now cut it off with the person, you now try and be holy in that moment. But I'm I'm trying to figure out what's the What's a good template for, for dissolving something like that so that both parties don't leave scarred? Because honestly, you now not be able to pray for like two weeks because I'm with you. I your chest I, is pain in you. I totally I understand so. you. So I'd like to approach that question by asking anybody here first. Has anyone ever experienced a breakup that you really felt like, yeah, it's painful that you guys are separating, but I don't feel wronged. I don't feel like... Um, I feel like I've been treated, treated with respect and love as far as someone who no longer wants to be in a relationship can do it. So has anyone experienced that and would they like to share it? Oh, you have, wow. Oh. <laughs> okay, you have a question. I can't hear you. Oh, she has experience. Please share. So just share your experience, it's okay. Okay, so I'm just, I don't know, I'm going to just spitball, I guess. Um, so Damien, at this point, I think at the end of the day, breaking up with somebody will always be difficult, like regardless of whatever, whether I'm going to write a poem or give a prayer or just text, it's going to always be hard. I think what is important is that if you acknowledge in yourself that that breakup is necessary at that moment and you have said your own truth mm. in a way that, you know, it's of salt, 
I think taking the decision is, at the end of the day, will be beneficial to both parties. So it doesn't mean that, you know, the day after your chest will not be paining you, your chest will probably pain you for a while if you really cared about that person. But I think acknowledging why you made that decision and accepting that the long-term effect is what is more important would help you get through that chest paining time. Yeah, so I think that's Okay, thank you. Thanks, Chinedu. Anyone else? Experience or comments, actually, or questions. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I just want to ask um, a question. So how do you make someone that's an introvert come out? Because, okay, me as an extrovert now, dating an introvert, and the person does not talk. And I don't like looking like a talkative, even though I'm a talkative. So I don't like looking like, oh, I'm the one that always has gist. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, yeah, don't you have gist? Nothing happened. How did your day go? You woke up in the morning. What now happened after waking up? So, like, how do you allow, maybe make people come out from their shell? Yeah. Good question. Before I take that, let me just round off on Demilade's point. So I think I agree with Chinedu to a large extent. Um, the end of a relationship that one party does not want to end will always be painful. But I think it's really critical, you know, and I know we laugh at somebody did prayer, somebody did poem. Those are signs of respect and I really don't know how to end this. I don't want to hurt you. This is... <laughs> this is the best way I can do it. <laughs> Maybe prayer is a bit, you know, well, she, she's a woman of prayer. She just relied on God. But I think, yeah, you know, as long as, um, you know, the charge really is to ensure respect. I'm sure that if Joseph, so with Joseph's story, um, the Holy Spirit intervened and told him that don't put her away. Um, she did not step out on you. It was the Holy Spirit. And so that didn't happen. But assuming that he had decided to put her away, she would have still been hurt. But she would have not been shamed the way, you know, it could have been if he really did not choose to walk in love. He would not have put her in public shame. He wouldn't have asked all the Pharisees to come and stone her and all the things that naturally go with that sort of behavior at that time. Uh, and so I guess in today's world, that might be, you know, equivalent to maybe posting inappropriate comments about the relationship online, telling all their friends about what happened and what did happen and what they hate. You know, those sort of things that really just aggravate a time when you really just want to heal, right? Um, I think that's the best you can do, you know. Just really think, I'm a child of God. This person is a child of God. How would I want this information conveyed to me if I was on the other end? And, you know... I'm not sure that there's more you can do. But you shouldn't be made to stay in a relationship you don't want to stay in because you don't want to hurt the person. That's the balance, I think. But if I come up with a better way, I'll share. I'll share. So that's it. Now, on to introvert, extrovert. It's a very interesting one. Um, so if you guys, for instance, were already friends, there must be a way you've been communicating and talking. So, for instance, my husband is an introvert, but I'm very happy to champion 80% of the conversation, 
right? He describes himself as an active listener. And I appreciate it very much. So I don't feel like you have to talk. You have, no, 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 no. You have to listen to me. And you don't have to tell me I'm talking too much. But of course, you have to share the things on your mind as well. So I think for my husband, what worked for us is more, the more I talk, the more he opened up as well. And then the more I grew closer to him, even without, the more I, I could read him. There's some things I know, even he doesn't need to say it. I know when he's come back from work and he's had a long day or something has happened. I may not know exactly what, but I can tell that all is not well. So I might give him a little time and then I'll go and ask him because I know that all is not well. And because I've let him rest a bit, he will talk. I think ensuring that you've created a safe space is always the foundation. Um, even introverts need to share at some point. And if they feel that they can at the right time, then they will. That's been my experience. Um, we had a conversation with a couple earlier today, actually, and they have the introvert-extrovert balance as well. And what, what he has said is being married to an extrovert has made him a little bit more open because she's very chatty, and when she talks, you know, like you, she says, ah, don't you have any contribution to the, to the gist, you know, you know, any addendum, any final word? And the more she did that, the more he would talk. And then also, she also sort of knew when to make him talk, when he felt like talking and things like that. So it's a balance. It will naturally happen, I think. But the bottom line is, they will never be as chatty as you. So don't expect that. And that in itself is setting yourself up for disappointment because if that's not how they are made up, the chances are they will never be that person. You also have to be happy with having that sort of person around you and that sort of energy. So that's it. A question. No, another question. Um, to speak to what Jimmy asked. Practical, practical <laughs> scenario. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I think, like you said, expectations. There is that expectation where you are chatting that the other person would um, also want to. So, for the example Jimmy said, that uh, what happened at work? Nothing happened. For the other, I've been in that show, and I'm thinking, I'm happy to think, okay, what happened at work? <laughs> what really happened at work? Like, and, and nothing, really. And then the other person is seeing it as, okay, you don't tell me why. I don't know your colleague's name. I don't know. And I'm like, there's no. So it's just the way the other person's wired. And, and sometimes that expectations of, okay, I tell you this, I tell you this, I expect you should. So I. It, <laughs> <laughs> then I think the aspect then was that there were days that consciously I'd be like, okay, I'll go home with G's today. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me start, but uh, but over time I, I think it's just understanding, like you said, and getting to the point where you understand that it's not because I don't want to talk; it's because I don't have anything to say, <laughs> and, and that's it. Thank you. Let's say part two. <laughs> Thank you. So we'd like to hear the reply. <laughs> so first of all, I want to say that. First of all, that was your husband that just spoke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was a a bit frustrating for me in the beginning because I was used to situations where I want to talk, I want to communicate with my um, spouse. I'm an introvert, by the way, but I still like to communicate, to talk. 
So when I ask a question like, how was your day? I want to hear about, oh, this person did this or that. And, and then I just want that connection or not even, you don't even have to say anything important, but just that exchange. And I would say that he has improved. <laughs> and then things like, um, Sometimes I find when I'm in the kitchen, I just want him around, not because I want you to do something, but I just want your presence to have like chit chat. So it's not, <laughs> it's not because I want any special kind of information. It's just <laughs> no more pressure. <laughs> you don't even have to have something to say sometimes, just be there to oh. interject the, yeah, you know, okay. And from there, things to just flow, so no pressure. <laughs> she just wants your presence. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Really awesome. <laughs> okay. So, time is going, but I, there's something else I wanted to touch on. And that was from Romans 12, 21, where Apostle Paul sort of starts to round up. And he said, do not repay, sorry? Oh, please go ahead. Really sorry. Yeah? Is that okay? Please smile. We're talking about love. Yeah? Thank you. Okay. So I wanted to talk actually on not repaying evil with evil, but repaying evil with good. And again, that's the standard expected of us. Um, in a relationship way, it's part of it is, you know, someone, I've been guilty of this in the past. Maybe you guys are talking and typically one person says, let's do this. The other person says, no, let's do why. Then we all do why and it goes wrong. And the ex person says, ah, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> I told you so. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Paul was speaking to having this attitude of love because at the end of the day, today it's that person's way that didn't quite work. Tomorrow it will be your way that didn't quite work. Um, and I wanted to ask, um, before I give an ex example from scripture, if anyone had had a situation where they really did feel like Someone did something wrong to them, but they were able to respond in love. Classic example is another Joseph from the Old Testament. And Joseph, just to put his story in very brief, he's the one that, you know, his brothers were very mean to him. They sold him out in slavery. He ended up in Egypt, prison. Long story short, became the prime minister, and, you know, he was in a position to help them when they were in a season of famine. And at the time when he was able to help them, he said something very significant. And we see it in Genesis 50, verse 20. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now, this is someone that had a very good reason to repay everything they had done for him. He was in the power to fix the issues they were having, but he decided that, no, not today. I'm going to look at the greater good. I'm going to forgive them and move on. And that resulted in many lives being saved. 
Um, before we round off, does anyone have any example or any practical illustration or any frustration they've had with repaying evil with goods? Okay. So this is not exactly related to repaying evil for good, but it's sort of like a frustration because um, I have a friend, so to speak. Um, she's a bit sensitive, and I'm the kind of person that it takes me forever to respond to messages. And I've known this person for over three years, and I've had to explain this to you that sometimes it's not even because I'm avoiding your message. The fact that when I come to my phone and I see that I have over 19 messages, it's already stressful for me. So going through that, I may put it off, and then more messages keep coming, and I don't um, get to respond to your message. And we are friends. You can easily pick up the phone and talk to me. So what the particular situation I'm talking about now was she had sent me a message. Um, I had just changed up, and she was my colleague too. So she was calling me about to do something regarding the old job I had just left. Um, I was in a meeting and I told her that I was in a meeting and I would, actually, I would do what she wanted me to do. And because I didn't, so she sent more messages and because I didn't want to forget to do what she had asked, I didn't open that message. But then I posted on WhatsApp so she was upset and then she went ahead to block me. And this was, I felt like, okay, we've had this conversation over and over so I don't even see the need to call you and start explaining this whole thing again. So I didn't bother to call. And then I, when I eventually called, she did not pick my call. So I didn't bother with it. Now, my husband thinks that I need to speak to her about that situation. But I feel like we've been through this. It's going to happen again. And then I just feel like it's, I'm better off just letting it be that way. So do you think that my approach is better or I should just reach out to her and talk about it? Great one. So what do we think? Let's hear from the audience before I... Okay, Julie. It's an interesting one because there are other related examples and you can consider that when you're responding. Same thing as people blocking people on social media, cancel culture, you do one thing wrong. You know, that's the end of anything you have to say in public. So It's, it's so funny how I'll, I'll be the one to block you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really... I um. I really don't like sending messages. So mm. if I send you a message, just reply me. Because I'm a call person. I would like to call you to get the thing done. Mm. So, um, blah, 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 I put it. Also, you are more likely to block somebody. I'm more likely to block the person. Because <laughs> okay. I, feel, um, yeah, I, I, I feel you should call that your friend. Call. And try to be a bit co maybe cautious. Maybe both of you will meet at a point. If you really value the friendship, both of you will meet at a point that, okay, maybe when I see this person's call, if she's your friend and you value the friendship, maybe you just meet at a point. Not necessarily going beyond your limits, but just trying to meet up with the person if that friendship is really valuable to you. Because I've actually blocked a friend and she felt that my friendship was more to her Then she tried to meet me at a point. Even sometimes she goes as well as maybe sending me emails and we could talk on Google, um, Google, um, Google Drive. Um, then Google, Google Meet, sorry, we could talk there because she knows how important when I want to talk to her it is. So if you really value the friendship, I would think, say you should try to meet the person at the point. Okay. 
Okay, so um, firstly, right, um, it's not important that you like the person, yeah? What is important is that as a Christian, you ought to love everybody. You understand? Whether you like them or not. This is some sort of a conflict management, whatever it is, but uh, <clears throat> first of all, maybe our love walk, sometimes you're going to look like a stupid person, mm. and that's the honest truth. As a Christian, you're supposed to manage conflict. Mm. You understand? You don't, you don't want it to explode or whatever. Of course, there are places where maybe you've done what you're supposed to do, and it's just still there. Even the scripture, you know, Apostle Paul talked about how you manage conflict between people. If somebody offends you or you think you offend somebody, you first of all go and speak with him. At the point you say you go and call the elders. Of course, maybe there are no elders this point, but you know, you get what I mean. In essence, what he's trying to say is that you don't allow conflict, you know. Um, you try as much as possible to manage every conflict in every relationship you have. The reason being is that there's a spiritual implications to some of those conflicts. And you don't want the devil to thrive in a place of argument. You understand? So um it's not about managing friendship in court. It's important, but much more importantly, as a Christian, you ought to manage that conflict. Whether you're going to talk to the person or you're going to talk to the person that is very close to the person, however you want to do it, as God will um, guide you, it is very, very key that you manage the conflict. You understand? I think that's just the part. So it's not about liking the person, yeah? Uh, if somebody offends you or you offend or you think uh, somebody's offended or you, know, you offend the person, whatever it is, you, once you have that understanding or maybe, you know, however it comes that there seems to be a conflict between you and somebody, you don't keep quiet about it. You try to manage it as God will help you. Okay. Thanks, guys. So time is up, but Daniel, one more, one more question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, or oh, comments. Um, I think there are two sides to, this, to the coin. <clears throat> So basically, it revolves around wisdom. Now, there are certain relationships. You know this person has a weakness. At that point in time, and you value that relationship, what you would need there is forbearance. Mm. Yeah. However, there are other relationships whereby that individual might actually, be, might actually be gaslighting you. So at that point in time, you would need the wisdom to walk away. Well, okay, okay. One, I think she has her hand up first, and then, yeah, and then she'll round up, and then we'll round up. So, in my own opinion, yeah, I think I'm that your friend, but I will not block you. I do not like to be ignored. Don't ignore me. If I'm sending you messages, please try to respond. So, yes, because why would you ignore my message? Just tell me you are busy, you get back to me later. I will not block you, but I would limit the way I send you messages, or I'll try to just find out what's going on. I'm sending you messages, you're not responding, and then you might have to explain what's going on to me. Because put, put yourself in my shoes. I sent you a message, and I see your WhatsApp status, and you have not responded to me. It's somehow. <laughs> like, no, it's not about having 19 messages. You, you, <laughs> but really. I am that friend, but I would not um, block you. If the relationship is very important to me, I might speak to you about it. But if I feel like you keep doing this thing, I might just leave you. That's just me. Okay. 
Pastor Dami, as I'm walking, I'm asking the question. Yeah. So, what do you do in situations where the person, no, I have to use wisdom now. What? The person says, oh, I'm not a texting person, I'm not a calling person, right? Mm. Yes. No, no, sorry, first, I'm not a texting person. I'm me. I like to text. Okay. Or I'm not a calling person. And, you know, the way it is, and the person says, okay, because you don't call me, I'm going to block you. Yes. Because some people don't like to change. You know, change is good. No, no, the, I think the lady in pink or red was first. And then the lady in yellow. Yeah. Hi. Um, I think as a Christian, you should probably reach out to this person to try and resolve the issue. But I think if you do that, you need to be very clear that you are an adult woman with a family oh, who <laughs> has a life to live and you know has responsibilities and you cannot always prioritize communicating with people and sometimes you're going to put yourself first, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think, yeah, we're all adults. So many people are going through so much. You can't just expect people to be at your beck and call all the time. Yeah. And I've had to learn that, because I've felt a little bit slighted when people have taken time to respond. But then you realize all sorts of things are going on with the person, and yeah, maybe they just need grace. You need to extend grace to them. Okay, before the lady in yellow speaks, she has said what you wanted to say. Okay. <laughs> okay, while Daniel is walking to Demilade, you know, there's also a scripture that talks about thinking, hoping for the best. It's in First Corinthians, Chola. Um, believing the best of people. If you send somebody a message, and I'm just throwing this out as a thought, and they haven't responded, why don't you believe that they are busy? Why do you want to believe that they are ghosting you? You know? Or they are on Instagram and they haven't checked WhatsApp. Why do you want to believe that it's a lie? She saw it. She, <laughs> she doesn't want to answer me. Is that believing the best? Okay. Demilade. I might be online on WhatsApp, but on a work call with a colleague. Okay, Demilade, your comments. Anyway, the, the point I wanted to make is, and Shola sort of alluded to this, and I think part of our, part of our problem is that we don't, like, we read the Bible, but we don't read it practically. Um, so I was reading my Bible the other day, and I was asking God, like, what's the framework for forgiveness? And God has actually given us a clear protocol. Um, in Matthew 18, he says, you know, if your brother has a, uh, if, if you have an ought against your brother, um, sorry, if your brother does something against you, he says this, it's a clear protocol. The first thing is, go and talk to the person in private. And then protocol is, again, step two, go again, but take a witness this time. And the, the thing we need to realize is that agreement is not the point. Connection is. And so you may not necessarily agree with the person at that time, but as long as that connection is there, it means that life can flow from you to that person. So agreement is not always the point. Then he says, if after you talk to the person in private, the person does not listen, take an elder. That means somebody who has authority and can bridge the gap between you guys by making you see that person's point and making that person see your point. Typically, what happens when we take a witness is we take somebody who is an advocate for us. So you take your lawyer to go and argue with the person to say, see, see, I'm the one who's right. And then the two of us agree against you. And that person feels like we're ganging up against them. But take a, a, an impartial person who can speak. And then if that doesn't work, take an elder, somebody who has a bit more maturity, who can help to pass the waters between that. And the Bible says, if all else fails, treat the person like... And, you know, we read it the wrong way. It says like a Gentile. But what that means is that the way you will pray for somebody who's an unbeliever, who you want them to come into the kingdom, take that level of fervency 
and pray for the person. And we know that it, the Bible says if you pray for your enemies, you will put a hot coal on their head. So if it's your friend, maybe it's lukewarm coal they will put on their head. But at least it, God has a way of sort of reaching that person at their point of need and making sure that connection is restored. Again, like I said, agreement is not always the point. It's connection that's important. Okay, so I'll heard all of your advice and I'll reach out to her. So thank you. But I think I have a confession. You saved today. the friendship, guys. So for me, my confession is um, I was sort of relieved when it happened because I felt like <laughs> I have to be honest because I was already exhausted from the whole cycle. One. Two, um, she had made some, over time she had made some derogatory statements which both myself and my husband felt were statements friends shouldn't make, especially about my marriage and period of marriage and all that. So I think my mistake was when those, she made those statements, I never told her, I don't like this, or I don't feel this is fair of you to say. So that has now built into something that it was now actually a relief when she blocked me because, oh, I don't have to put up with this again. So I think my take home is deal with issues, talk about, not just in this um, man-woman relationship, but in friendships too. If you find that someone has offended you, better to talk about it than to just, even without you knowing, build into something that would then be like, you'll be relieved when you no longer have to deal with it. Fantastic. No, I'm really glad with where you've landed because you've admitted that, look, it wasn't just a blocking. There was something else underneath it that made the blocking bigger than what it really is. And you've also admitted that, look, you're going to reach out. But I like the points everyone has made. Um, when you reach out, it will be nice for you guys to agree a framework for your communication. So for instance, say, look, I need 48 hours to respond to any message or whatever it is your time frame is, you know. And if I don't, actually, you should be worried about me because that's now out of, you know, my ordinary, yeah, you should not be angry. You should be worried that maybe I'm overwhelmed or something. So I think that's where the conversation should be. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, well done for the maturity. Awesome. Awesome. Great way to end this. All right, guys, we're going to do two things as we close. First is to ask, I asked this earlier in the morning, is there anyone here, I already know the answer, but fine, that had been married for more than 10 years? No? Married to Jesus, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> so, no, okay. Is there anyone here that had been in a relationship for more than 10 years? Wow. <laughs> No, maybe you started dating when you were very young and you're still together. No? Wow, okay. Finally, are there any friends here that have been friends for more than 10 years and they are here together? Okay, you and who now? <laughs> Where? Who? I can't see them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why is he looking unsure? <laughs> are you standing? Okay, so are you standing or not? Are you disowning her in public? No. Okay, great. So can you guys stand up? We want to clap for you. It's not easy to keep a friendship, a marriage, or a friendship, or a romantic relationship for more than 10 years. Just want to celebrate you guys. Your brother counts. Is he here? Daniel. Yay! Yay. Oh, sisters. 
Yay, stand up. Oh my God, awesome, awesome. Stand up, we want to celebrate you. Guys, no, the fact that you are still here together, fellowshipping together, don't take the grace for granted. We are grateful. We thank you for coming and sharing your love with us. We pray for many, many, many more decades of fruitful friendship, of love, of joy, of celebrating together, of planning together, of just loving and blessing each other and witnessing each other's successes in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap for them. And then finally, we have an assignment for everybody, all of us. This week, and I think your assignment is clear, you have to reach out to one person and show them that you love them. So it could be someone that's been, you know, in your life for more than 10 years, but they are not here. It could be someone that you've kind of fallen out with, but you want to restore. This week, we're going to pray for grace to do that. Shola, please join me. We're going to pray. Pastor Shola. We're going to, so we're going to pray for grace to reach out to broken relationships. We're going to pray for healing for anyone that maybe, you know, relationships have been ended in ways that have hurt them and they are looking to release that. And then finally, we're going to pray for all relationships, marriages, romantic relationships, friendships, siblings. And we're just going to ask for the grace of God, pray for resilience, for strength, for flexibility, for understanding, and, and for it to just last longer and longer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.